Welcome to the DBV Newsroom. I'm Bureau Chief Miat. In our newsroom today is Igor Blazibik. Igor is very well known as a European human rights campaigner and a founder and long-time director of One World Film Festival, the Europe's biggest human rights film festival, and also founder of People in Need Foundation. It's uh, my, my real pleasure and honor, honor as well to share how I understand the current dynamics in Myanmar. And you've been traveling a lot during this day, in, especially in your visit uh, in Thailand, and you met uh, many of your friends who are part of Spring Revolution. So I'd like to ask, what did you learn from them? I would like you to share with us. And um, what are the, how do you see the current main trends in Spring Revolution? So, in a certain way, since the coup, uh, we are constantly in a, in a critical moment. Uh, so, that the first critical moment has been uh, where the people and mass will join the, the protests. And, uh, and people have done that. Then the next critical moment has been when the military has applied brutal crackdown against the non-armed civilian uh, protests, where the people will find the courage and find a new way how to uh, oppose junta. Uh, people have done that. Uh, so uh, in that sense, it's impossible to say, oh, this is especially critical moment. But on the other side, it is a critical, critical moment sit in their fortress and try to inflict as big pain on the civilian population as they can. And they are doing it through the military operation, which are targeting primarily civilians. And they are doing it through the hyperinflation. They are doing it through the squeezing and capturing everything what is resource in a country and putting it into the war of terror against the civilian population. So, so it's hard. To, to endure that kind of the brutality. But on the other side, the uh, resistance, and when I say resistance, I both mean the civic resistance and the armed resistance, not only successfully defending themselves and are not defeated, but they are starting more and more to squeeze uh, junta into the more and more narrow uh, space, politically, uh, territorially, uh, economically, militarily. In this squeeze place, they are still strong and they can inflict a lot of pain, but they cannot be in a control anymore. So we are now in a situation in which uh, it's uh, very, very important to continue this momentum of the ongoing pressure and we need to change the perspective of the internationals, what's going on in Myanmar. Because from the outside, uh, there is a complete misunderstanding what is the reality in the country. Amid this very depressing situation and amidst international communities' misunderstanding, what are the positive dynamics in this trend? Uh, what are the remaining strengths? But I situation? see uh, a number of the positive. Uh, uh, one thing is the uh, ongoing participation of the people. So we, we, we still see uh, we, people cannot take the streets in a, in, a, in a mass numbers now. But people are finding uh, many, many other ways how they are showing that they are rejecting the junta and that they are supporting the, the, the profound change in the country. So 
this level of the participation of the of the many many thousands and hundreds of thousand people is something what is constantly fueling this stubborn determined uh, resistance I'm in a contact with the many many people in a, in a, in a Myanmar I, I will just kind of give one example I have just recently met two CDM educators, but they have been also kind of in a certain level of the higher managerial position in an educational system of the Myanmar before the coup. Uh, because they joined the protest, they lost their house. Uh, they have been forced to go uh, and escape. They have, are spending their uh, uh, savings, what they have, to continue uh, to uh, escape and to be in hiding. But at the same time, they have organized 250 other educators across the Chin State, Masagain, uh, Magwe. And with these 250 educators, they are running incredible programs of the voc vocational uh, uh, training, vocational educations, which are educators on the ground are in the IDP camps in this semi-liberated territory are helping people gain the skills which can strengthen the communities and which can create small income for them. So impressive. And, and, and then when you, we imagine that there are hundreds and thousands of the people in the Myanmar who are in that way making a contribution through their civic resistance, through their armed resistance, this is impressive. This is really impressive. In the last 15 years, there has been probably 10 big uprisings of the people against the bad regimes in Hong Kong, in Belarus, in Venezuela, in, a, in, a, in a Egypt, and in a many, many other countries. All these uprisings have faced the brutal crackdowns, and after three to six months to eight months, they have been crashed down. People gave up. People of the Myanmar have not only not given, gave, given up, but they have succeeded to push significantly junta. So I think that we are in a situation that if we continue this pressure, there is a moment, we don't know when it will come, we don't know how it will come, but there is the moment when the military structure will implode from the bottom up. We can see the, the hunter is getting weaker and weaker. Do you see the, the, the weaknesses of the gender today? And what are their remaining strengths, do you see? Uh, they, are getting, they are getting significantly weaker in a situation of their troops on the ground. They are simply stretched across the two big country, which are stretched and exposed to the uh, small but significant attacks by the many, many units. They are uh, units, if they are, have been supposed to have 200, 250 soldiers, they don't have it now more than the 70, they can't recruit. And for the first time in a decades in Myanmar, uh, these soldiers sitting now somewhere on the outposts uh, are afraid. Until this revolution, they have never been afraid. They have had this confidence. They can go out, they can kill, they can rape, they can, they can rob, they can burn, they can do whatever they want. And with a total impunity, with a, now, let's say, if they go out, they don't know whether they will come back. And, and this is psychologically changing the dynamic of, uh, between the resistance and between the junta. So this is their very, very weak point. The second thing is junta is running out of the, of the, of the hard cash. They, they can print money and create the inflation to, 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 to make a pressure on the people, but they are running out of the, of the cash. So these are the two main weaknesses on their side. What they have uh, to, to try to survive. One thing is to 
inflict the pain on the civilian population and try to endure longer than the civilian population can. The second thing, to try to get legitimacy from the regional, regional countries. They don't care about international world, but they care about India, China, uh, Thailand, and few other uh, ASEAN countries. So, so th this will be now significant push from their side to try to achieve certain acceptance um, during the Lao chairmanship, and we need to, 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 to block that. We need to, to push that back. And the third thing, they will play uh, with the Aung San Suu Kyi to manipulate the, the mood in a population. And they have started to be better and better in uh, uh, using the hardship on our side, using the uh, trauma on our side to uh, insert the discord, disunity, to disagreement between us. So they are using a lot now social media to fuel and the technology of the Russians how to spread the, the polarization in society. So they are using it now to create a lot of lot of quarrel between the different revolutionary forces to outblow them to break us psychologically in a moment when they can't defeat the resistance militarily anymore. Yeah, I can see the, how they try their exit strategy from this uh, kind of very chaotic situation. So if you look at the history after 1962, we have series of revolution in like 1988, uh, 2007, and we have so-called transition between 2010 and 2020. And we've even have elected government for five years. Mm -hmm. But you know, now they just take over power again. So do you see the kind of uh, scenario that our revolution will be kind of like back to the square scenario or there will be another step forward? Look, uh, the Myanmar military had advantage until this time. They had advantage that in a certain way they have been able to pick up uh, whom they fight in every single moment. So they have been able to always isolate uh, a certain segment of the political and social forces who are uh, in rebellion against them and then crush them while uh, making whatever ceasefire or making a certain corrupt deals or anything else with other stakeholders. So, so they have been very, very good in, a, in, a, in, a, in a playing this, this game, almost never picking up fight uh, against more than one uh, uh, opponent. This time, situation is completely different. Let's say this time the military has activated, or the, the junta and, and failed uh, coup has activated very, very broad spectrum of the, of the players uh, who, are, who are fighting them. What is now critically important is uh, uh, we have a, I describe it in the following way. We have a, in a current struggle, struggle three sources of the legitimacy. One source of the legitimacy is coming from the 2020 elections, or we can go deeper, is coming from the popularity of the Aung San Suu Kyi among the broad swathes of the, of the population of the country. Or I can go deeper and say it's a 30 years of the NLD uh, being the symbol of the, of the opposition to the junta. So this is one source of the legitimacy. Another source of the legitimacy is coming from the 70 years of the ethnic nationalities struggle for the liberation of them as an as a, as a, as a ethnic, ethnic, ethnic 
ethnic groups. That kind of the legitimacy is uh, autonomous legitimacy. It's coming from its own logic, from its own history. The third legitimacy is coming from the uh, driving forces of the Spring Revolution. Because the Spring Revolution has been, at least in, at least in the first year, driven significantly by the new players, if we want. And now uh, we have a little bit problem that we have a competition of whose legitimacy is the, the upper one. And we can't solve it. Nobody's legitimacy of these three is the upper one. What we need, we need a, a clear consensus, agreement between these three sources of the legitimacy of these three uh, political and civic leadership uh, coming from these three sources to have a constantly something what I call minimum consensus. We don't need now that everybody agrees about everything how Myanmar in future will look like because we don't know whether that future will come. We need to secure that future and to secure that future we need a minimum consensus between these key, key uh, three uh, actors and, and uh, in order to, to defeat Minang Lang, to defeat Junta, to remove them, that will me make military weak. And let's say then we need to stop violence, stop war, stop terror against the civilian population, release political prisoners, let people come back to their villages, let people pick up the pieces of their life, bring economy uh, back, bring a safety back, and then start the serious political discussions how the future should look like. So how do you see these uh, anti-genocide, uh, such as their uh, alliance building, uh, trust and lack of trust, drafting transitional documents and roadmaps, and relation between armed and civil uh, resistance, etc.? I think that the dilemma, uh, armed resistance or civic resistance, is a wrong dilemma. It's not either or. We need both. These are both. These are the complementary side of one unifying struggle. We can't defeat Junta, a brutal uh, beast, with the civic resistance. That's why, why we need the armed resistance. At the same time, armed resistance alone cannot defeat the junta without the people's participation and without uh, 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 involvement of the many, many people who cannot pick up the, the arms but who can contribute in another way. So these are the complementary sides of one same struggle. When it comes to the question of the, of the uh, roadmap, do we need a roadmap? I usually say no, we need first to cut the supply roads which Junta is bringing to their troops. Let's say it's much more important now to cut the roads than to create the, create the roadmap. I don't think that we need in this moment roadmap. We need to kind of uh, stop the terror which Junta is waging against the civilian population and we need to de defeat them. I was, I was recently talking with one of friend, American, I was even not aware of that, and he said to me, you know, in a American Revolution, let's say we have been 10 years, 15 years in American Revolution, and only then we came to the uh, drafting the American Constitution. Now, to draft the Constitution is a something what you, you need the level of the security. You need the level of the, of the space for the serious political, political agreement. I don't think that we need it, need it now. Uh, and an and attempt in a such complicated situation like Myanmar, attempt to create now 
the, the, the Constitution is just uh, triggering the disagreement between us. We don't need disagreement, we need uh, agreement to defeat Junta. So uh, when it comes to the trust and question of the alliance, uh, I'm describing it now, uh, it's a half glass full. Yes, it's not full glass full. But when we know how complex Myanmar is, how, how, how burdened relations are with the grievances from the previous time, uh, we should you know, be realistic in expectation. This half glass full is, uh, is, has so far helped us sustain incredible struggle against the, the, the very, very dangerous opponent and to significantly weaken it, has brought us to the situation when we, we can defeat, defeat it. So, so my advice is let's kind of be proud and confident with a half glass full. Let's try with the wisdom to make it a little bit more full and let's not despair and let's not panic that it's a full, not full glass full. What I'm seeing now a little bit tendencies because of the frustration, people are under huge pressure. So because of the frustration, people want things to happen suddenly, quickly, something like a big bang, which will suddenly solve everything. Let's say in a, in a revolution, is in a wars, there are no big bang, banks. So, so things really take time. The processes are gradual, the struggles are Hard, you have a successes, you have a you have a setbacks. That's the reality of the of the hard struggle. If somebody looks, you know, Vietnam liberation struggle started uh, lasted 30 years. The the peak of the anti-apartheid movement lasted 10 years. I don't say that this current struggle will last 10 years. I think it will be much shorter. But but things take 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 time. So for that reason, I think it's a very very important now. If the glass is half gas full, that because of the in anger that it's not full glass full so that we are more quick that we don't break the glass because now there are a lot of these kind of the mutual quarrels who is to be blamed that we don't move forward with the transitional constitution or something like that and these quarrels can break the glass and then we don't have it neither half glass full i personally think that the most important thing in this moment will be if the key stakeholders, and I, when I say key stakeholders, I mean NUG and uh, K3C, Kachin, Karen, uh, Chin, Kareni, uh, if they form the delegations and go, let's say, to the capital cities of the world to show that anti-junta movement is standing, standing together. We need to change the perspective of the international community on what's going on in Myanmar. Yeah, I'd like to follow up on that. Uh, there are many criticisms uh, over the performance of the NUG government, and foreign observers mm -hmm. often show their concern about the NUG government, whether they are ready to govern. So how do you see the capacity of the NUG in particular? I think it's a very unfair uh, criticism. So yes, let's say I will admit that there is a limits of the capacity, which is understandable. Let's say if we understand under which conditions these uh, people operate, uh, if we understand how 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 fragile uh, is the consensus behind the creation of the NUG, uh, I think that we just need to tolerate a certain kind of amount of the limited capacity. Uh, internationals are, I think, using that as excuse to hide that nobody from the international community has in any meaningful way helped uh, 
the, Myan uh, struggle of the Myanmar people against the brutal regime. So, so when somebody say uh, there is no capacity in an NUG, I say, I always respond, but how much resources you have put in a structure of the NUG, how much humanitarian aid you have put to the, to the people who are on the resistance side. International community is currently not even providing humanitarian aid to the, to the people who are on the half of the territory which resistance is now, now controlling. 80% of the aid money which is provided by the taxpayers in the in US, uh, Europe and few other countries. 80% of that aid is going to the territory which is under the control of the junta as, and is weaponized by the junta. So, so what I think international community should put the resources Say, to, uh, into the NUG structure, into the, into the resistance, and not, not necessarily armed, armed resources. There are many, many other resources. And then we can talk, let's say, where the capacity is. If the NUG has the $1 billion which is sitting in a, in a U.S., capacity will increase in one month. <laughs> capacity is, is not just about uh, whatever, making a good PowerPoint presentation. Capacity is primarily about resources. Do you have them or you don't have them? Yeah, right. You know, if we compare to the situation in the beginning of the Spring Revolution and now, people, I mean, especially people from Myanmar, a huge expectation over international community is getting decreased because yeah. they realize, yeah, yeah they, they realize the reality. Yeah. And also, I'd like to know your opinion on that. You know, what we can or cannot expect from the regional diplomatic processes such as ASEAN and our neighbors like. Thailand, China, India, and Bangladesh, and international actors. So regional actors are important because the international actors, other beyond the region, uh, do not really have interest in, uh, uh, to get involved in a Myanmar. Uh, there are many, many reasons for that, and we can talk about that, but profoundly the rest of the world has delegated the responsibility of the, uh, on the ASEAN in order not to be blamed themselves. So, okay, ASEAN, it's your business. From the region, uh, we cannot in this moment expect that the region will help and assist the uh, democratic federalist resistance uh, 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 forces. They can do the harm, the region, and they cannot help. This is a reality. This is a painful reality, but this is a reality and better to understand it that. So, so what is our task? Our task is to uh, prevent and push back and counter uh, the effort from the region to uh, re-legitimize junta. Because what the countries in the region would like, because they cannot imagine, they are not capable to imagine Myanmar without uh, military and without junta. So they think that the military and junta are indispensable part of the solution. And then they want to facilitate some sort of the negotiations, some sort of the, of the agreement, which we know it's not possible. It's not only because people will not accept it, but because Junta does not want any agreement. Junta want to defeat people. Junta want only full victory at all costs. What we need, we need really to block the certain countries in a region to, of doing harm. And once when we change, reality on the ground in a sense that the, I call them coalition of the willing uh, of the forces which are opposing junta, who are fighting junta. When we change the re reality on the ground so that we look 
as a more credible winner of the current struggle, that is the moment when both regional countries and the international community will start to take us seriously and will start to provide uh, aid. In today's world, this is unfortunate, but this is a reality. In today's world, nobody comes to help you because you are a victim. You can bring I don't know how many reports and testimonies about crimes which are committed on you. I said that will not motivate uh, anybody, not, that will not trigger anybody to come to help you against the bully who is killing the people. Uh, what we need, we need to look uh, as a credible winner of the current struggle and when that will be the perception, not, not necessarily reality, but perception, in that moment uh, we will start to shift attitude of the regional and international players toward the uh, situation in Myanmar. So the current struggle uh, reached some stage, we can say that, but we see less and less space, uh, as you also explained in, in the beginning, the Honda has less and less space uh, to play around. So they, they try to use the cards one by one, like yeah. Aung San Suu Kyi, Don Aung San Suu Kyi as a card, and showing international relationship with the countries and mm. neighbors. And, you know, they're doing that, you know, playing cards, uh, one, one card or another. Do you think those uh, efforts can make some opportunity for them? We are in an in a undecided struggle. Struggle can go, I would say, three different ways, and we don't know which one it will be. One of these ways is not junta uh, regaining control over country, but it's like something similar what happened in Syria when Assad in one moment has been almost defeated. Resistance was 25 kilometers far away from Damascus, but in that moment Russia jumped in and Iran jumped in, helped them, helped Assad significantly, and then he regained control and used extreme brutality to one by one defeat the, the resistance forces. Resistance forces in Syria made a terrible mistake. I said that they fragmented themselves into the many, many units which are fighting Assad and at the same time are quarreling between themselves, which has been a huge, huge mistake. So, so in something similar can happen in Myanmar, unfortunately. Uh, but that will not finish in a junta controlling the whole country. That will finish in a junta controlling the part of the country and the other parts of the country will have a, I call it a type of the autonomy. There are certain parts of the Myanmar which junta will never ever anymore control. If the junta prevails, uh, Myanmar will be broken in a five to seven territories and one of them will be controlled by the, by the military junta and the rest will be controlled by the other armed arm groups uh, which will have their territory, have their legal and illegal businesses and so on. Not very pleasant space for the civilian population. The other opportunity, the other way is that we keep current alliance, we keep a pressure on the, on the military, and this pressure needs to be military pressure, financial pressure, through the sanctions, through the collective uh, civic actions which we are creatively inventing, uh, through the psychological warfare from our side, which are constantly beaming messages to the loyalists of the junta and to the soldier, don't defend this loser, Minaung Hlang, abandon the sinking boat. And then in one moment, uh, there can be something what I call implosion of the military from the bottom, bottom up. Simply units will stop 
to follow the, the orders in a war which is a, a defeating war for them. So, so this is a, another possibility. If we go in that direction, uh, we will need to have a wisdom uh, to create the, the reasonable political agreement how the future country will look like. Thank you so much, Igo. Unless you have an, uh, the last word for the Myanmar people and any motivation you can leave. All of us must admit and know in how hard situation we are. So I think a few things are very important. One thing is that we need to care one about another. We need constantly to, to, to encourage each other on a very private, very personal, personal level because every single of us and every single, of, uh, every single citizen of Myanmar is going through the huge pain, through the huge struggle. Let's say. So taking care about one another is, a, is a very, very important to help us endure. The second thing is we should have a hope because we are really in a situation that for the first time in the history of the post-independent Myanmar, we can remove. I said the, 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 the cancer, the cancer which is eating uh, that country and that people for ages. And, uh, and, and, and Myanmar without military oppression can be a nice country because it's a rich country, rich with the people, rich with the natural resources, rich with the, rich with the size, and we can make a Myanmar better, better country. So we, we should have, I said, this hope in a promised land how we, can, how we can make Myanmar so that we can go through the current hard hardship. Thank you so much. You leave us with a very positive message. Thanks Thank you so very much. much.